Green Divas and Green Dudes come in many shades of green. Here to help you discover and celebrate your personal shade of green are hosts Green Diva Meg and Maxine Margot, veteran radio chicks who share important news about climate change and the plight of human existence, but somehow manage to make most of it fun and sexy using at least 50 shades of green. Well, hey there, and thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of 50 Shades of Green Divas. I'm coming to you from GD Studio Q in the Quad, Chappaqua, GD Max's pad. Yeah, so I'm Green Diva Meg, and... I'm Green Diva Max. You have tuned in and turned on for an interesting episode, so get comfy. Okay, so first of all, in a sea of crappy news, environmentally and otherwise, we thought we would start with some slightly encouraging news, which, you know, hey, we need it. So here's one. According to Lucy Purdy of PositiveNews.com, there has been an estimated 30% drop in the number of plastic bags littering seabeds around Britain. This, of course, is connected to the introduction of charges for plastic bags across Europe. Yay! Less plastic. Hashtag plastic socks. So the second thing I saw, which I love because I love animals, sea turtles are returning to their home after decades of not being able to get through the garbage to their sandy beach in India. This beach is called Versova Beach, and the transformation was led by Afroz Shah, and it has been called the largest beach cleanup project by the United Nations. A pretty, it's either a lot of garbage or it's a big beach. I don't know, maybe garbage both. Garbage on a beach, a lot of garbage on a big beach. So, through this cleanup, they eventually recruited thousands of people who helped, thousands of volunteers. And Shaw was the first one to start the cleanup, and apparently, he was knee deep in piles of trash by himself initially. But after decades, these, these turtles are back. Yay! We're trying to be positive. This is, you know, there's there's things we need to be positive about. And uh, and women, yes, women, we are uh, starting to, to to step up a bit. And uh, what's happened is that 309 women are running for the U.S. House of Representatives. They were motivated by the Women's March in January of 2017, as well as the angst over policies of President Trump and the Republican-controlled Congress. Even with a record number of candidates, women are still outnumbered by men. While over half the U.S. population is female, yay us, four out of five members of Congress are men, which is, wow, crazy. So women are running in, in hopes that there's change, and many are focusing on health care in their campaigns. They're very much involved with uh, health care, education, early development, family leave, and workplace equality, because we still don't have workplace equality in 2018. Like, what the heck? So um, they're emphasizing that, and I, and I believe they'll also be emphasizing gun control, because that's become a very, very big issue. So, hey ladies, I'm glad we're giving the guys a run for their money. So, 
Note here that the theme of all of these things is that we can make a difference. Yeah, sisters. We can. We can do it. Let's consider a topic now that no one really likes to think about or talk about, but it's an issue we all encounter in several ways in our lifetime, and of course, in our own death. And that is, what do we do with our bodies after we die, right? People get like really squeamish about this, but let's face it, folks, we gotta, this is part of life. It really is. And it has a huge impact on our carbon footprint and the environment, ultimately. So listen here. According to the Green Burial Council, conventional burials, embalming, funeral home viewing, and placing a steel casket in a cement-lined hole result in an annual use of 77,000 trees and 4.3 million gallons of embalming fluid, which does contain cancer-causing chemicals and does get into the ground water. Overall, the entire process can cost $7,000. Now, mind you, that also takes up land. It also often uh, requires sort of manicuring the lawn that uses fertilizers and chemicals and yada yada. So one might think that cremation would have less of an impact, right? It does in terms of taking up less land, but according to the National Death Center, a British-based funeral consulting group, one cremation uses as much energy as a 500-mile car trip. (laughs) That's a long trip for a dead body. Come on. That is nuts. Right? And releases 250 pounds of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Cray-cray, right? Yeah. Okay, so you care about climate change and you may want to be super active in environmental causes. How do you sidestep this final insult to the earth that goes against everything you believed in when you were alive? Even if you didn't believe in climate change, the statistics show it is just a toxic, wasteful bummer. All the way around. What are the alternatives? Well, everything from being essentially (laughs) (laughs) freeze-dried, you know, like freeze-dried coffee and powdered, powdered, ooh, to becoming, yes, let's get powdered, to becoming a tree or even part of a coral reef that is rebuilding. Oh, my word. That is really nuts. So there are, we're going to hear in this show about some alternatives that may make you feel better about what happens to your body after you die. And it may be better for everybody. So stay tuned. In the meanwhile, I just want to do a social media shout out. Shout out. <laughs> shout out. And invite you all to interact with us. Let's get social. Yeah. At 50 Shades of GDs, at The Green Divas, or at TM Shades of Green for both Twitter, Instagram, and on uh, Facebook, we're at The Green Divas Radio Show and The Many Shades of Green. And you can always go to thegreendivas.com and you'll find out all about us there. We've both done quite a few shows on this topic over the years, but GD Meg recently had a chance to speak to Carrie Potter, who is founder of Dying to Bloom. Natural Burial Boutique in Nyack, New York. Um, 
My name is Carrie Potter Kotecki, and I opened a shop about a year ago in Nyack, New York, called Dying to Bloom. And Dying to Bloom is a retail store that sells natural burial products. I actually call it a natural burial boutique. And I sell biodegradable caskets, shrouds. I sell urns, um, biodegradable urns and keepsake urns and products for people and for pets as well. I believe my shop is the first of its kind, a, a natural burial boutique. I kind of didn't make that up. And I've decided to go into this business because I'm really passionate about the green burial movement. And what that is, is um, really it's going back to the way it used to be, back to basics. Uh, it's a way to conserve open space while also using it as a burial ground. So uh, a green cemetery, which there happens to be a beautiful one in upstate New York called Green Springs. I happen to be in New Jersey right now. There's one called Steelman Town in South Jersey. And these do not look like your typical cemetery. They are natural woods, meadows, trees. There's wildlife, there's birds, butterflies. There, You will not see any headstones. There is no clearing of the land. And to me, it's just so full of life. It just seems like part of the natural process. The green burial movement is all about reducing the resources used and the pollution associated with funerals while using burial as a tool for conservation and the restoration of the land where the, the burials occur. In the green burial movement, the deceased is laid to rest in the earth along with only biodegradable materials, usually in a wooded or other natural setting, without a vault or embalming, uh, no chemicals, thank you, and often with a field stone or indigenous plant marking the grave. In terms of cost, green burial is usually much less expensive than conventional burial, and sometimes even comparable with cremation, though cremation does tend to be cheaper. There was a documentary called A Will for the Woods, which was a tenderly done story that followed a man through his last stages of cancer and his preparations to have a green burial. I had a chance to interview two of the filmmakers on the project, Brian Wilson and Jeremy Kaplan. set out across the country and to follow the movement and and really started with looking at the Green Barrel Council and looking at Joe Sihi. And we spent about a year going to different Green Burial sites and covering where the movement was going. And at that point, about a year into filming, we, we met Clark. And we happened to meet Clark actually through our conversations with Joe. Joe recommended that Josie, the head of the Green Barrel Council, recommended that we talk with Clark because he was this very compassionate advocate and was someone who was talking openly and frankly about uh, his funeral plan. It was an incredibly emotional but also very, very powerful experience. And I feel like, in a way, um, working on the film, we, we feel like a, a common buddy or a bond with people who have been there at end of life with you know, hospice workers or people in the funeral industry, and especially because we were so close with Clark and Jane, 
so much time, um, whether in the hospital with them or at Clark's home funeral and helping to prepare the body and, you know, just, just being around and, and organizing things and helping with some of the arrangements even because at a certain point throughout the filming, um, people look to us as sort of experts. So while we were there in the hospital, sort of Amy and I were a part of making the arrangements to make sure that Clark could get back home and that everything was done according to his wishes. So it really was just an incredibly powerful experience and, and a really, I think, enriching experience for me to be able to to see someone go through the process which, with so much dignity and purpose and, and to really, really face his own mortality and with all the sort of nuance and trickiness of it and that he had... Um, you know, he was fighting until the very end, but at the same time, beginning to gradually accept. Yeah. And I'm not sure if everyone always, if you can totally, fully accept your mortality. But right. I, I think Clark did it in, in, in such a graceful way, and I, I hope the film sort of gives the audience a sense of that. Silly Science Facts with G.D. Max. Kind of in line with this uh, this show about green burials, I kind of looked around the interweb and and was looking to see what might fit in this segment, and I came across something in NBC Science, which was from last November. Corey S. Powell. Uh, I, I read the articles, quite interesting, and the name of the article was "Why Death May Not Be So Final: Could Graveyards Become a Thing of the Past?" Good question in this context of the show. The singularity is fast approaching, as soon the blurring between humans and computers will be complete. Will there be a digital beyond? The human corpse could be the next physical object to vanish from our lives. Ray Kurzweil, a futurist and director of engineering at Google, believes that computers will soon match the capabilities of the human brain. Our consciousness will mingle with machine intelligence, leading to a kind of immortality. Immortality, think about that. So maybe we won't need to be buried anywhere, as our minds will live on in perpetuity. If the mind continues to live on, what will happen to the physical body? In 2015, more people were cremated than buried. There is even a new eco-friendly cremation method known as alkaline hydrolysis. So less toxins will enter the earth, and I think you become liquefied. Mm -hmm. Pretty crazy. It's gross, but heck, someone's got to read this. This will lead to a reduction in carbon emissions. So let's score one for the environmentalists in the afterlife. Death is being treated in many different ways. In Japan, the Ruridan Memorial in Tokyo, human remains are packed behind walls of glowing Buddha statues. Visitors swipe a key card and colorful LED lights illuminate the location of their departed loved ones. It's like a video game, almost. <laughs> Elsewhere, there are funeral companies promoting tombstones embossed with QR codes. I mean, I'm not checking into uh, the Oyster Bar here. Uh, we're checking out, but now you get a QR code, um, which when scanned will pull up a related video or web page. According to Megan Rosenblum, a leader in the death acceptance movement, QR and other digital innovations are on the rise. But in a hundred years, they too will be a thing of the past. Megan is the founder of a series of events called Death Salons, 
which is the spirit of an 18th century salon, which encourages conversations on different things in terms of uh, mortality and how we cope with loss. And it's just an, another way to express how people can talk about this subject, um, which a lot of people don't want to talk about. So on a different front, now there are companies like Digital Beyond, which focuses on digital death curation as it maintains companies that handle closing out social media accounts. So what do you do about your Facebook account? <laughs> you know, you know, think about it. You know, uh, who's going to get your password and get you out? Digital Beyond might help you. And they m- maintaining permanent cloud-based obituaries and online memorials. So you'll be out there forever, pretty much. And now, chat bots could keep your digital self talking long after your physical, physical self has stopped breathing. A Russian startup, Luca, created a chatbot that simulates conversations with Prince. Purple rain, purple rain. He always burst in his own. As opposed to hack the election, hack the election. Uh, Then there is Hossein Ranama of MIT Media Lab, who is developing a platform called Augmented Eternity. It would mine all the information about a dead person to create a detailed virtual presence. This may all sound creepy, really creepy, but the digital afterlife is here to stay, and burials as we know it could be a thing of the past. Will we all live forever within the space-time continuum as our virtual holograms get pulled up via a QR code? Since our brains will be on the cloud, and not necessarily the heavenly one, it looks like the answer is yes. Another Silly Science Facts with G.D. Max. In talking with Carrie Potter, she also talked about green burial versus cremation and introduces uh, some other options like full sea burial, alkaline hydrolysis, which we mentioned, Promession, which is basically like being freeze dried. <laughs> you should see Max's face. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, but it's like it's apparently a lot less footprint carbon. But anyway, uh, and human composting, right? No, I know, I know. I run into a lot of environmentalists who say. I'm getting cremated. Don't don't even talk about burial. You know, cremation is my choice. Green burial really is the greenest option. I'm not bashing cremation because I certainly respect everyone's decisions, but I think it's really important to be educated on what's involved with your decision. As far as cremation goes, you are using carbons that are there's fuel energy going into the cremation process and carbons are being released into the air. So it isn't the top choice. It's, you know, green burial, it's just that, <laughs> just going right back into the earth. You know, I certainly, again, respect those that are choosing cremation, and there's a lot of options out there. You can have, and of course, you have to check your state and area as far as restrictions, but there is such a thing as a full body sea burial as well. Wow. Really? And yes, and again, that's um, just returning naturally back to nature. Uh, As far as cremation, in some states, there is a new water cremation, it's called. Alkaline hydrolysis or resumation is some of the names it's known for. It's currently not legal in New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut or in our area. 
I forget the states. I believe Florida is one of them. California just passed the law, I believe, last year. So that's something that's growing in popularity. It is available for our pets in many states as well, but it is supposed to be a little more eco-friendly as far as cremation goes. Is that the one where they basically liquefy you and then freeze-dry you, that kind of thing? Um, this one isn't freeze-drying. That's a whole nother one. Oh. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of that process. But as far as alkaline hydrolysis, it is a process where the body goes into this stainless steel cylinder with warm water and an organic product similar to lye and the the body does liquefy it basically washes down the drain and um, is non-toxic substance that is safe for the groundwater and then you're left with the bones that does get pounded into cremains It seems like being educated about options in advance is helpful. We need to get more comfortable in this country talking about death and what needs to happen after we or a loved one dies. One of the cool things, I don't know how cool it can be, but it's cool, that is happening now is people are gathering to discuss death and all its implications at death cafes around the world. Also, death salons, or they're calling it too. Carrie also started one of the first ones in upstate New York. I do hold a death cafe at my shop in Nyack once a month. And death cafe is an opportunity where people get together and just discuss death because it is such a taboo topic. And it's not something I've created. This movement was started in the U.K., by a gentleman named John Underwood. And you can go to deathcafe.com and find a death cafe near you. They are all over the world. Again, you know, it's an uncomfortable topic and it's, it's difficult, but it's natural. It's going to happen to us all. Sorry to say that, people. <laughs> and when I do talk about death, I try to remind folks that in, in accepting your own mortality and realizing you don't know when it's going to happen, because I have plenty of people who come in my shop and say, I'm not ready for that. I'm thinking, you don't know when. You do not know your day. So let that thought inspire you to live your life the best you can. Live it to its fullest. Do those things that you want to do. Reach out to that person that you've been thinking of and just realize that it is temporary. What we do when when the end is near or when we have to deal with burying a loved one, uh, it, it's hard to uh, get through a process like that. And we've seen, you know, in, in the funeral world that uh, the way that they're burying bodies now adds a lot of pollution and carbon footprint. They're using toxic chemicals to embalm. They're using cement and, and caskets that are made of, you know, woods, expensive, expensive, just so much. In the in the olden days, you know, they would wrap someone in a shroud and put them in a soft wood box or something that is more uh, in line with what Mother Nature would want and what that person might want. But again, it's an industry now, and hopefully this this green burial movement will, will do something to uh, make people realize... Well, one thing I, I just want to underscore is I think it's important 
to learn about this stuff before you are very ill and it becomes difficult to even think about or before a loved one. I, I, I would encourage people to start to have conversations while we're healthy and just in case, like, what would you like? And probably break that taboo. So, you know, learn a little, at least for yourself, learn what you might appreciate. I mean, what you might want and uh, share it with your family, please. So we're going to just end with a couple of quotes because Buddha was mentioned in that Japanese burial that they have in Tokyo, this particular place. And so Buddha came into my brain. Here comes some Buddha. Buddha came into my brain. It's always in my brain. I call my dog Buddha sometimes, and people think that's his real name. It's Sparky, but to me, it's a Buddha. Dog spell backwards is God. In the end, only three things matter. How much you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. Everything that has a beginning has an ending. Make peace with that, and all will be well. This is Buddha. Also said, relax. Nothing is in control. (laughs) I love it. Now, of course, me being the, well, wise-ass that I am, I love Hunter S. Thompson. Being a tiny bit irreverent, that is the quote uh, that I've chosen Life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, Wow, what a ride! listening to the 50 Shades of Green, a collaborative gig between the Green Divas and the Many Shades of Green radio shows, happily recorded at Green Diva Studio. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts and the Many Shades of Green on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Stitcher, among other places. You can find more information about this show and much more on thegreendivas.com. 